Yeah, all right, folks, we are back, and this is the time in the program where we bring in the man, the myth, the legend. He is a 94 WIP show producer and the host and co-creator of the Birds IQ podcast that you can see, hear, and listen to on the edgeofphillysports.com. Mr. Kyle Quinn. Kyle, good evening, and welcome back. Good evening, sir. Happy to be back. Yes, and I hope this Saturday before Thanksgiving finds you well. It most certainly has. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. And some good football games on. Uh, Dallas and the Giants. Uh, decided we're going to root for in that one, but uh, looking forward to Thanksgiving. Always look forward to Thanksgiving, as you mentioned. Uh, football is definitely the prime meal for uh, a lot of people, to yes. include me and you. All right, Kyle. Listen, shame, champagne corks were a popping all over the world with the surviving members of the 1972 Dolphins last Monday night because the final unbeaten team in the NFL in 2022 are Philadelphia Eagles fell out of the ranks of the unbeaten Kyle Quinn, 32-21 to 21 on primetime television at the hands of the Washington Commanders. Uh, I know you, there's, there's, there's some things we, that have been talked about, some things that i like to talk to you about in this game before we transition to the Colts. But, Kyle, what did you see happening on the field at Lincoln Financial Field on Monday night? Well, I saw Washington come in there with an obvious uh, game plan that they wanted to hit on, and they executed it almost to – perfection and then on the other side you have the eagles turning the ball over a bunch of times uh not really executing on offense not executing on the third and shorts which were very plentiful and then not executing at all on the third and longs which were few and far between so yeah it was just pretty much uh all across the board the eagles not really able to execute washington able to execute um a few screwy penalties here and there but you can never really blame the outcome of the game uh on officiating as nick sirianni says you create your own luck and uh, the Eagles were not uh, good enough to be able to, uh, you know, the Eagles weren't good enough. So they had to, you know, rely on luck and they did not get that luck. Even with all that being said, they still had multiple chances to win the game at the end and only lost by really one score. The last score doesn't count. Um, if you ask me, if you ask almost anybody. So, yeah, I mean, all that said, um, the Eagles still were right there in that game uh, with a chance to win it in the end. So I'm not totally uh, freaking out panics like uh i know a lot of people around the delaware valley are so uh now of course that is subject to change uh with the results of this week's game uh because you can't go out and do that again and lose to jeff saturday's colts or uh else i will probably be pushing the panic button a little bit uh but for right now i'm uh, i'm pretty good i'm a cool level-headed that was all uh you know I, I appreciate that kyle that's actually pretty uh pretty um you know very adult of you to feel this way. I I, I, I feel the same way. Um, I, I think the Eagles have been flirting with fire for a little bit, and finally it kind of came back and burned them a little bit uh, on Monday night. Let's talk a little bit about the Eagles' defense. Uh, the much maligned defensive line that is really picking up a lot of negative press lately, uh, mostly here in the Delaware Valley, uh, which what a surprise there. Um, they went out and, and tried to kind of shore it up with the signings of uh, Namakin Sue and uh, Linville, who were about – Three years uh, past their both their primes, but you know it's a death move, and I and I, I commend Howie for attempting to do that. But let's talk about the product on the field right now, uh, Kyle. Is it a fair assessment that they're being pushed around on the field? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean they were, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that you got uh, a, a defensive line that is built to rush the passer and play with leads. That's how how we built it before the season. Uh, that's you know that's how they've been playing for the first eight weeks of the season. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're not able to play with the lead. And you got guys like Fletcher Cox, uh, who's 31 years old, playing 70 snaps. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're not deep, you don't have guys that you can rotate in. I mean, uh, Tua Pelotu, 
um, and Jordan Davis both going out means that Hargrave and, and Fletcher Cox both got to play a ton more snaps. Now, for a guy like Hargrave, you know, he's probably a little bit better equipped to handle it just because he's a younger guy. Fletcher Cox, uh, not so much. So, yeah, I mean, that's where you're going to see the interior of the line get bullied, like you were saying. Now, they weren't getting gashed. Like, these weren't a bunch of 10-yard runs, uh, clip after clip. This was really three-yard runs, four-yard runs, but... Uh, at the end of the day, that's all they really needed, right? When they were getting on these third and shorts, it was third and two. And in that case, a two-yard run is a successful play for them. So the 3.1 yards per carry, it's a little bit misleading. It was a successful 3.1 yards per carry. They didn't get totally gashed, bullied up the middle. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, in terms of uh, just the interior line and being out physical, yeah, I, I, you could definitely say that Washington did that. Yeah, no, you're right about the gashing part, but they were drive-sustaining runs. They, they just couldn't get them off the field. Uh, I think the time of possession was doubled. I mean, the, the Redskins, or sorry, the Commanders, with 40-plus minutes of possession time, the Eagles not even at 20 minutes. Uh, the, those were what those runs did. They kept the ball moving. They kept the sticks moving. They kept the uh, Washington offense on the, on the football field. Now, Kyle, it doesn't help things when seven players that are currently on IR or IL, whatever you call it anymore in the NFL, four of them, on the Eagles or defensive linemen. And that obviously doesn't help things um, when you're trying to rotate people in and uh, account for depth. I'm not going to blame Howie for not preparing for depth. Uh, you know, injuries you cannot account for. You have to kind of just roll with them. And I do commend him for going out there to attempt. Um, you know, it might not be the best attempt and, and whatnot, but at least he's going to get two large men in the middle of that line at some point, along with Jordan Davis, hopefully in the next few weeks. But, Kyle, the question is, as we move into the meat of the schedule, and we're going to get into the Colts here in a second, but kind of looking further out at the Packers, the Titans, the Giants twice, the Cowboys once, uh, and then the Saints. But uh, is this a concern uh, that the line, in as we move into the month of December, is kind of in flux right now? Well, I will say it's the worst possible grouping of opponents you could have in consecutive <laughs> games yes. when your struggle <laughs> is stopping the run. I mean, let's, let's be completely honest about this. Jonathan Taylor, uh, it's going to be Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley twice, Alvin Kamara. You know, if you want to get really deep into the schedule there, Green Bay runs above well Aaron Jones. Yeah, so, I, I mean, that's tough. And, and you know, you weren't going to go as far as to knock Howie, but Matt, I'm going to flip one over on you because I am going to rip Howie a little yeah, bit. Uh-oh. Uh, and it, and it, Cut and the audio. So it's a flaw that I, I don't. I, I think a lot of us look past uh, at the beginning of the season, and a minor flaw, uh, mind you. But now it's it's really reared its ugly head with the injuries. And if you look beyond Jordan Davis, I mean, all the rest of the guys on the D line are you know smaller, uh, pre tech like rush the just purely pin your ears back, rush the passer kind of guys. Not really uh, too many guys who are just sort of big bodies, yeah. uh, gap fillers, you know, uh, guys like Jordan Davis. But you look beyond him, and there was really nobody. So this is just a, uh, it's a, you know, a really quick course correction by Howie bringing in Sue and Linval Joseph, which now I do have to give credit for doing. I don't know how effective those signings are going to be, but he did sign those two guys. We could be like the Chargers or the last-ranked uh, rush defense in football and just, you know, sort of sitting on your hands and not doing anything. So the fact that he brought in these guys is good. It shows me that they know that there's a weakness there and they're going to address it, and they knew that it was a personnel issue and not a scheme issue. Uh, this week, I'm not expecting much, if at all, from uh, Sue and Linval Joseph. I mean, I can hardly expect to even go out there uh, for much, if, if any snaps, considering, you know, that they just have been out of football for like a year. Uh, that seems like a hamstring injury waiting to happen for one of those two guys. That really wouldn't be good 
lose one of those guys pretty much immediately. So I'm almost resigned to the fact that we're going to have to go in and shake something up a little bit with the guys that we have uh, versus Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. And then sort of, uh, you know, I guess hold your breath and hope that the other guys still have something left in the tank and maybe get Jordan Davis back uh, as early as the Titans game. I mean, that's the best case scenario for him. But yeah, I mean, it's not an ideal grouping of opponents to have when your primary issue is stopping the run. Yeah, and uh, to Howie's uh, track record, he did draft four defensive linemen in 2021 and only one this year. Uh, and, you know, most of those four and 21 are playing actively on this team, with the exception of Patrick Johnson, who they flexed out to a linebacker. And you mentioned that hybrid. He's not really the biggest person in the world. So, yeah, I agree. It, it, it is. It, it, and then, you know, it, it kind of it snuck up on me. Um, I didn't really anticipate the loss of Derek Barnett way back when to be this um, – key right now in, the, in in this juncture of the season. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, like, the, the, the signing of Sue and Limbaugh is great, you know, with the names and all, uh, but then again, uh, it, if you just look at recent history and bringing in sort of older guys on the defensive line, uh, not the greatest track record there. I mean, if you want to talk Ryan Kerrigan, that's uh, a bust, a total bust. Uh, Robert Wynn, that's not looking too great right now. I mean, he, the guy looks totally cooked, so uh, my expectation's not too high. For, uh, for Sue and Joseph, but then again, you don't really need them to be this, like, you know, run around, cut on a dime athlete guy. You really just need to be a big body that clogs up the middle and allows uh, gaps to open up that yeah. your, you know, your linebackers and uh, other guys to penetrate for. So if they can be that, great, uh, but I'm, I'm not old enough. And then the last thing I want to talk about before we transition, uh, you mentioned it a little bit in your little rant there. Uh, that they, uh, the referee thing. Um, and yes, uh, the entire world saw it. It was a missed call. You know, the, the, the um, Dallas Goddard non-call face mask resulting in a fumble and an injury uh, that landed Dallas Goddard on the IR. It is very unfortunate, but you mentioned it. Uh, if you put the game in the hands of the ref, don't be upset about your results or your, or your outcome because that's never works out. It, it's a crapshoot. Uh, the Eagles did not hold up there in the bargain and play a good game. And yes, it was an egregious missed call. Uh, I agree, but the football gods have a tendency to give it and take it away. So Kyle, I, I didn't really hear where you come out on that. You did mention it briefly, but where do you come out on the refing uh, in that game on Monday night? Well, look, I, I like the team's approach of it happened. You just got to move on, right? Like if the refs had thrown that flag on the Goddard face mask, the fumble might've come back, but we still would have lost Goddard or, you know, four to whatever, six weeks, right? So some things uh, you, you can change, you can go back and, and whatever. But even with that fumble, we did have another opportunity at the end of the game uh, to get the ball back. And Brandon Graham, of course, you know, just it, he screwed up. And I know that's that's a tough call for the official to make, especially when you're in makeup call territory, which I absolutely believe the officials should have been in. But, uh, that was a penalty, but, though. You agree that was a penalty, though, with Brandon well, Graham. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was, but, but. I mean, it, with the way that the rules are called, yes, I totally understand that that's a penalty. It's, it's, it's one that, I mean, you end the game by making that call, right? And if you're a referee and it's, it's that close, I think you talk about it and you pick it up. But, you know, that, that's just me. Again, Brandon Graham took full responsibility for it. And I think Sirianni really said it best. You create your own luck. Like, you are supposed to be good enough so that where you're not relying on uh, the officials having to win the game for you. But like I said, uh, even with all the officiating mistakes, and there were plenty, the Eagles still had a chance to win that game, and there were other moments in that game earlier in the game that the officials did not um, interfere with where the Eagles screwed up on their own. So this was just a, a case of the Eagles shooting themselves in the foot, and it was exactly what 
I said was going to happen all year. When the Eagles do take their first loss, if they do, it's not going to be a matter of the other team beating them, really. It's going to be more of the Eagles beating themselves, and I truly do believe that's what happened. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. Uh, just to kind of throw some uh, some bows around some things, the Eagles did turn the ball over four times in this game, and it, that's the most they've done all season. Uh, their total now is up to seven turnovers, which I'll take after ten or nine weeks or nine still, games. Still only kind of three, though. The last one was, was all the <laughs> yeah. are nonsense. Yeah, play. I agree. Uh, but that still only averages out less than one a game. So I'll, I'll live with that. Uh, but, of course, they – and they also forced two more turnovers to bring their season total up to 21, uh, about a two-and-a-half a clip for a game. Uh, seven penalties for 75 yards, Kyle. That's the most penalties they've had um, since week two. Uh, not good. Not good at all. Um, that, 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 as I mentioned, the most since week two. Uh, kind of an undisciplined game by the Eagles. Uh, would you not agree or disagree? No, I totally agree. I mean, Sirianni said it uh, very bluntly after the, uh, after the game. They, they played like crap, and I totally agree. I mean, the team didn't put themselves – I mean, like, what we know about this Eagles team and how good they've been all season, that loss is 100% on them. Washington is not a better team than the Eagles. They might have been and executed their game plan in perfection, but like with the game being a one-score game with all the turnovers and the officiating, this game was right in the Eagles' hands, and they dropped it. It was in my final stat, my favorite stat of 2022 that I'm keeping an eye on, seven second-half points. That's right, Kyle Quinn. The trend of of, of promising second halves ended on Monday night. Uh, they are now below eight points a second half for the season. So, uh, yeah, it's and, not and, good. Again, though, again, though, Matt, three, three of those drives turned around by turnovers, right? The A.J. Brown drop, mm-hmm. which was in his hands, and ended up going to the other team, the Goddard thing. Uh, even another one, Kenny Gainwell, just mm-hmm. flat out dropping a ball. So I, I mean, look, yeah, the Eagles stalling out a little bit uh, this game in the second half. I don't think it's indicative over uh, what's happened over the course of a season. When you average it out, I think that makes it even worse because averages over a course of a football season, eh, you know, they're a little iffy. And then that's a trend, what you, though. What, what you again refuse to take into account is that the defense did adjust and only allowed six points in that second half, and three of those came off of the bogus Dallas Goddard face mask. So. Shouldn't have even really happened. So at this pace, uh, the offense should be able to still outscore what the defense has given up. So uh, no issue. Yeah, no, I mean, you make a valid point. Unfortunately, they don't list all that down on the final stat sheets. All they list down is the stuff that went down in black and white, Kyle Quinn. That's all I'm reporting right, which, on, which the facts. Why the black and white are, are things, I mean, you have to <laughs> go a little beyond that. You have to understand that stats on the surface could just be misleading. You know that, right? No, I realize that, but... N- but the second half point totals of 2022 are not misleading in my eye. They are indicative. They are a trend that's been a very bad one uh, for this team all season long. They have not figured themselves in the second half. Now I got it. I'm I'm, I'm going to agree with some of the. Uh, they've been ahead so long, or so been up by so much at halftime that there might have been some prevent stuff going on in some of these games. But now they found themselves coming into the second half in this game down by six points. And they only scored seven. And as you mentioned, the rest of their commanders scored six. Well, that's all they needed when they're already up by six. So I, I got what you're saying. I do. And I understand there was some other uh, Y factors involved here. And, and maybe it's not indicative on black and white of what at, what the second half was. But it, it happened. And, and that's just, just remember this, Mac. Correlation does not equal causation, right? It's a trend in the same way that teams that run the ball 30 plus times in a game win like 65% of the time. It's because they're ahead and they run the ball to keep winning, Matt. You yeah. got to look beyond the stats. 
I don't know, man. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, ball don't lie. So I'm gonna keep keep on keeping on until it tells me something differently. All right, Kyle, let's turn the page. Uh, Sunday, quick turnaround. Uh, they had 11 days off. Now they're gonna play a game in six days, uh, less than six days if you're doing, you know, time. Uh, in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, the uh, reeling Indianapolis Colts come into the game four, five, and one. I actually thought they were a lot worse than that, but uh, their schedule, their record is four, five, and one. They play in a dome, Kyle. There's no weather concerns, even though it's snowing in Indiana. Well, hell, it's snowing just about everywhere right now. Uh, Eagles are going to go white and green, and then the Colts are going to go blue and white as their traditional home uniforms. Uh, Kyle Quinn, uh, real quick before we jump into the injury report, um, you know, we, we have a lot of Eagle ties to that Colt team. We have one less now with the firing of Frank Reich, but uh, I spoke to Andrew Moore of the uh, Hoosier uh, Huddle, He's a he's a um, podcast host guy out there covers the Colts uh, over on my show earlier in the week, and um, you know uh, he was not for the the hiring of Jeff Saturday. He believes it's a strictly a publicity move. Uh, Jim Isray, Isray, whatever I ever say his name is is crazy or whatever. Uh, but you know the mojo of what happened. I mean, Grand they beat up on a bad Raiders team. Let's just face it, it was a bad Raiders team. Uh, but hey, you know, whatever they're trying to get a spark going out there. What is your uh, because I think we both had the Colts at a better clip this year than what has happened. Uh, what what do you think has happened to the Colts uh, this year? The Colts are probably one of the hardest teams to get a read on of any. I mean, just consider all the changes that they made throughout the season, but the quarterback being benched, the offensive coordinator getting fired, Frank Wright getting fired, uh, Jeff Saturday being hired, the quarterback coming back to start again. Jonathan Taylor being hurt for a lot of the season. I mean, they're just such a weird team. I, I, I mean, if you think about this, they're what? They're four, five, and one. It's not an awful record considering how we all joke and laugh about the Colts. And then you consider that they beat the Chiefs uh, in Indianapolis earlier this season with Matt Ryan as the quarterback. So clearly they seem to have found a formula that's that's working or at least in a, a simple, um, I'm not sure how sustainable fashion with Jeff Saturday being a former O-lineman. Obviously, he's going to lean on his guy, Jonathan Taylor, and take the pressure off his old guy, Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan was a guy that always should have been starting over Sam Ellinger. I mean, uh, that was a Jim Ursay forced uh, move there to start Sam Ellinger over Matt Ryan. And, and like you said, the guy's just completely off his rocker. So I think uh, there's definitely reason to believe that the Colts are a little bit better than some people make them out to be. So uh, I'm not going to consider this the walk in the park that I may have uh, a few weeks ago back when things were really screwy over there. So, uh, yeah, I will uh, I will take them seriously. I would imagine the Eagles. And not to mention they play in a really, really poor AFC South. So definitely it's not, um, it's not over for the Colts. Uh, as for the injury report, uh, their edge rush, starting edge rusher, uh, Quiddy Payne, is going to be out of this game. Uh, he is third, apparently third on the roster in sacks. Uh, they're also going to be without their third-string tight end, uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, but the biggest new name in, on their uh, injury report just kind of popped up uh, this week. Um, starting offensive tackle Braden Smith, who's dealing with a back injury, has been listed as questionable in a game-day decision. Uh Definitely something to keep an eye on if you're the Eagle uh, defensive line that's looking for anything to kind of grab onto. Um, as for the Eagles goes, well, nothing much on the um, week-to-week uh, report. Uh, Josh Jove's the only one listed out, but uh, the IR or IL, what is it, Kyle? Is it IR still or is it IL, DL? Yeah, IL is IL's baseball, IR. Okay. Seven players are now on the IR uh, to include now the uh, addition of Dallas Goddard. 
Uh, but Demarius Robinson is designated to return here at defensive ends. Uh, I don't think it's going to be this weekend, maybe next weekend. Uh, Kyle, we've talked about this throughout the season that the injury report week to week seemed pretty clean, but almost quietly behind our backs, this IR thing has grown uh, now to seven. What do you attribute that to, Kyle? Just bad luck? Well, it, it's just simple regression of the mean, right? I mean, when you're that lucky for so long, usually one thing's going to break. These kind of things, like turnovers, uh, injury luck, stuff like that, they tend to sort of average out at least some fashion over the course of a season or, uh, or multiple seasons. So if you figure that um, they were not getting injured at all for the first half of the season, then there was uh, going to be a little bit of a storm coming in the second half of the season. Hopefully it's not as big of a storm and uh you know we're able to weather it a little bit but yeah i mean this is i'm not going to say it was expected but uh it's something that you know we're, we should uh be ready to have to deal with as the season moves forward all right kyle uh what do you believe is going to take place down there in the heart of america's farmland in indiana on sunday at lucas oil stadium well they're gonna bounce back i think they're gonna come in with a game plan knowing that hey uh, right now we're we're down a few guys on the defensive end and we have this deficiency uh, on the back end, so there's a few ways that they can go and do that. They can run the ball and control the clock themselves, where they can do what I think they're going to do and just get out to a uh, get out to a nice fast start. Let their defense play with a lead, like they've been so good at playing with all season. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to go down there, and uh, it's not going to be an ass kicking because you know they will be on the road. Colts are, uh, like I said, a little bit better than some people give them credit for, but I think we'll win by about a score. And what are your three keys to Eagle victory on Sunday? Yeah, well, it's going to be fast start. Like I said earlier, getting out to a fast start allows your defense to do what it does best and uh, play with the lead. Your offense also plays a lot better with the lead, which leads to key number two, and that's to be able to run the football. So you're going to want to keep your offense on the field uh, for as long as possible to prevent what Washington was able to do to you last week. So uh, be able to run the ball with Miles Sanders. And then number three, pin the ears back. Get to Matt Ryan, baby. That's the, uh, that's the play with the lead formula when you're on defense is just uh be able to sort of tee off on the qb as he tries to sit back there and throw them uh to get back in the game and i, I mean mainly this is to keep jonathan taylor uh from getting you know 40 touches like the like washington was given uh brian robinson last week so um they pretty much all go hand in hand but i think those are uh those are three pretty uh, simple keys to victory Yep. Uh, so my number three key to victory, uh, you mentioned it, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, again, Andrew Moore from the uh, Horseshoe Huddle said basically uh, Taylor's at the healthiest part. Of, he's This is as healthy as he's been all season long. So take that with a grain of salt, I guess. Uh, and then all this talk of the blueprint about, you know, the commanders providing a blueprint of how to beat the Eagles. Well, that blueprint was provided, I think, back on week one with Andre Swift and the, and the Lions when he ran rough shot over the Eagles defensive line. So I'm not buying that that happened this week. Teams have been seeing this week to week. Expect a steady dose of Jonathan Taylor on Sunday until the Eagles prove they can stop him. And that's definitely number one. You got to figure out, Jay, uh, John Gannon, how to stop the run. Um, we have an abundance of, of hybrid players that we can drop back in the pass coverage. I, I know Hassan Reddick doesn't necessarily work out in that aspect, but you got to find a way to get better. You got to find a way to, to get a little bit maybe creative with your defense. Do something to, to get the goddamn rock in Matt Ryan's hands and make Matt Ryan beat you because I feel a lot better with that than I would be with uh, Jonathan Taylor running the football. My number two key to Eagle victory, uh, you know, um, again, coaching. Uh, Kyle, I'm not seeing it. I, I, I see a very fiery Nick Sirianni, but I'm once again, I'm still not convinced on his in-game management ability. Uh, he's got to be better. 
in my opinion. You got to be a once, two, three, four, five, six steps ahead of your opponent. He doesn't seem to be doing that at times. At times he does, but at times he's, to me, he seems like he's not. So I need better coaching on that sideline from Nick Sirianni. And my number one key to victory bench and fire and cut Britton Covey right now. I don't know what you got to do there, but he's actually hurting us on returns because he can't even get the ball back to the 25. Kyle Quinn, I've never seen an inept, as inept special teams return game as I have seen with the Eagles in 2022. And the punter is not far behind him in Sippos. He needs to go too. Kyle, special teams needs to be fixed or it's going to cost us, I'm telling you. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you're not wrong. Special teams is absolutely brutal to watch. You know who uh, was on uh, – on, uh, it wasn't NFL Network, but I think it was on Kay Adams' show this morning talking about uh, how he might still have something left in the tank and he would return punts for the Eagles. Sproles. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sproles, yeah. yeah. I, hell, why not? <laughs> I don't care. Oh God, well, there's no way he could be worse than Britton Covey. I mean, the guy, he gets the ball and you breathe on him and he falls down. Uh, I, I've never had less faith in, in my special teams unit to, you know, uh, not only put the other team in uh, in great position like they always do, or to put us in good position. I mean, Aaron Sipos, if you need uh, to pin them down, you just blast it out of the back of the end zone yep. for a touchback. <laughs> uh, and if you need a touchback, he shanks it for 25 yep. yards. So you really can't do anything right now that you've written Cubby. You need some sort of shakeup back there. Or, yeah, I mean, that is going to be when, – when you're in a game that's as close as the game was against Washington, and say neither of us are turning the ball over and the refs are, are just fine, some of those games can be decided by one or two special teams plays. So, yeah, I mean, that's an area that they're going to have to address immediately. Uh, Britton Covey makes me long for Jalen Rager back there. I mean, that's no, how bad it no, is. That's no. how bad it is, man. No. I mean, good Lord. You're, All right. you're trading like three fumbles for one, so I guess yeah. <laughs> All right, Kyle, give me your prediction and score. And by the way, for those of you keeping at home, Kyle Quinn did lose. Uh, this weekend, he's now seven and two. I am currently running a three-game winning streak. I am now up to five and four. The first time all season, I have gone above five hundred. So let's hopefully I can keep that trend moving. So, Kyle, what is your prediction and score this weekend? Yes, it's going to be uh, going to be bounce back time. I can't remember exactly what the score was that I said uh, on the podcast. I'm thinking it's going to be a close one, probably something like a like a one-score game. So maybe go like twenty-seven uh, to twenty. Twenty-seven, twenty Eagles. Okay, uh, Kyle, I don't have that faith, in, in, and I still don't have that faith in this team. I think the defensive line is a liability, and I think right now um, I just man, it's not feeling it. So I'm going to go with the Colts in this game, 28 to 20. They keep the good vibes rolling with Jeff Saturday, and they they keep uh, you know keeping t- people guessing. Uh, this is the this is the meat of the schedule. This is the teeth, so to speak. Uh, and I, I didn't have the Eagles doing well at all throughout this portion of the schedule back in the sp- summer and spring. I'm going to hold on to that. I say Colts 28-20. Yeah, I mean, they, they can't lose to Jeff Saturday and the Colts. That would be just really bad. You told me that last week when they couldn't lose to Taylor Heineke that's not, that's and the Commanders. I, I didn't say they couldn't lose or it would be really bad. No, no, no. You said you don't want to have your first loss to a division team. That was your exact words. Yeah, well, well I said I said I'd prefer to have it versus the Titans or an AFC opponent uh, other than a division team. But, no, I mean, that wasn't a can't-lose game. We were 8-0. But okay. you can't lose two in a row and one to Jeff Saturday's Colts. That's something that can't happen, or they should be embarrassed. That's not an embarrassing loss. Just and of course, uh, being that the man of the of your word that you are, uh, Kyle, I do have a place that you can pick up clown makeup in like bulk uh, because your sixteen and one prediction is hanging in the balance on Sunday. Well, I have I have two more losses. True, I have, well, one more, and then. 
set me over. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, man. Going okay. strong. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. All right, Kyle, who do you think is going to be your MVP on Sunday? Oh, it's going to be Jalen, man. He's got to pick up the slack with uh, no Dallas Goddard and show why we're going to pay him at $40 million next year. So show why he's in the MVP conversations. Let's show why uh, this team should be talked about as one of the top teams in football. Jalen Hurts. I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. I say he carries the ball 28 times for a buck 25 and three touchdowns. Three fumbles tomorrow, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> All right, guys, let's check in on our team down there in the bayou, the New Orleans Saints that are starting to sink as fast as a mobster with some cement shoes in the bottom of the Mississippi. Uh, three and seven, they come off reeling to the Pittsburgh Steelers, losing 20 to 10. Now they got the Rams, who are really not good at all this year. But uh, the Rams, Niners, and Buccaneers are their next three games. Kyle, that draft pick continues to trend upwards. Will it will it hold? And are we on our way to a top five pick in 2023? Yeah, I mean, this is just looking dumber and dumber on the Saints' part. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. They're brutal, and they won't go back to Jameis Winston. They're sticking with Andy Dalton, which 